Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. Our Sunday services have now moved online and you can tune in every week for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon by going to christchurchlondon.org forward slash church hyphen at hyphen home. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. Hi Christchurch London, fantastic to be with you at Church at Home today. Hope you're doing well. Uh, We're currently teaching through Romans chapter 12, just the one chapter. Never done this before. In the history of Christchurch London, uh, last week Tim Frisbee took us through two words, practice, hospitality. Today we're going through two verses. It's verses 15 and 16 of Romans chapter 12 and they go like this. Paul wrote, rejoice with those that rejoice and mourn with those that mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. And at the heart of these two verses, which are packed full of content, is that phrase, live in harmony with one another. Paul is suggesting that there is a way of living. There's a way of coming together and creating community with us from our different backgrounds, our different ages, our different life stages, our different nationalities and ethnicities, our different professions and educational backgrounds. That nonetheless mean that we can come and create something that sounds fantastic. I've thought a lot about harmonies uh, these last couple of weeks. I wonder what your favourite musical harmony is, that ability for different voices to sing together in such a way that complement one another. They're different notes, but they sound amazing. Maybe like choral music, filling a vast cavernous cathedral with that otherworldliness which comes across. Or maybe it's gospel choirs, ripping it up in worship with the amazing uh, melodies that get created in that environment. Or maybe... They're songs from your favourite playlists of the moment. Whatever they are, harmonies can be beautiful things. And Paul is encouraging us to learn to live together in that sort of way. Behind what Paul is saying here, of course, echoes the words of Jesus. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. These would have been radical words in the then contemporary world of Rome. Rome was a very stratified uh, society, broken into six distinct classes. You had your uh, upper class, you had your political class. There was a middle class, a business class, a, a former slave class and a current slave class. And these were not categories through which you could easily move with some sense of fluidity. No, they were distinct, uh, hard to move between, and they defined how you dressed how you related to others, uh, even who you married and how you lived. And so for Paul to appeal right across those different distinctions and say, no, I want you, church, to live differently, come together and create something beautiful which will cause others to see me at work, was a huge thing. And of course, just as Rome was very stratified, we are living at uh, early in the 21st century in a very polarised society. It's tribal, it's angry, it's disagreeable or people disagreeing with one another. Uh, and uh, 
Everybody recognises that this is the case, but it seems like no one's really got any answers to the way through. I want to suggest that at the heart of the gospel and the heart of the church is this incredible opportunity to show uh, broader society how we can live together, that as our lives are transformed, as our hearts are affected deeply by Jesus, then we can create wonderful harmonies as we live together in such a way that shows people that there is another way of doing community, that there is another way of living together. Now, with that all said, you talk to any musician and they will say harmonies are not as effortless as they sound. That at some point, for most at least, they have to learn the skills to bring those beautiful moments out. They have to train their voices. They have to practice every day. And Paul here gives us three practices that contribute towards harmonious community. But they too, uh, just to put it up front, they're challenging. Uh, they don't come naturally and they require uh, diligence and focus. Uh, but what they create is something wonderful and something very valuable and something worth pursuing. So I want to look at these three uh, commands or exhortations of Paul's today uh, as they go towards creating harmonious community. And the first of the things that Paul says is essentially this. He says, I want you to learn to live in one another's shoes. Learn to live in each other's shoes. The way that Paul puts it is like this. Rejoice with those that rejoice and mourn with those that mourn. Here he's picking the emotions that go with the extreme experiences of life, the highs and the lows. And he's saying that it's at these points that we need to be deeply connected with one another. Why does that matter so much? Why does he pick these things out at this point in time? I want to suggest it's because of this, that if we do not understand each other and are able to walk with each other through those times, through the really difficult times, and maybe ironically, through the most exciting or best of times, then it's easy to end up migrating out of the community to find those who do understand, because understanding is something that every human being deeply needs. Of course, if we are going to understand at an emotional level, stand in each other's shoes, then it presupposes something first, which is simply that we know each other well enough to be able to share in this way. It's not where relationships start. Now think about your church relationships. How did they start? Well, almost certainly they start by you recognising someone. Well, I've seen them before. Or I said hello last week. Or they are the ones that sit over there. And when we first talk, our conversation is largely about facts. What's your name? Where do you live? What do you do? Are the sort of uh, pieces of information that help us uh, orientate ourselves. Uh, that is followed often by understanding as we talk more about learning about people's likes and their dislikes. Here's what they want to do in their leisure time. Here's the things that really matter to them, the music that they listen to, the sport that they enjoy, the things that they do as diversions or pastimes. But there's another level beyond just the facts or beyond the likes and the dislikes. It's the level at which we really connect. It's the level of emotion. It's when I'm able to say to you, 
I have had the hardest week and I've really struggled with this or with that. Or when I'm able to say, I've had one of the greatest joys of this year with what's just happened. And as we communicate at that level, people really connect. Now, I guess the question that that poses for all of us is, are we connected to some others at least where we're able to communicate at that level? It's ever so important. It's part at least of what Paul, uh, Tim was exhorting us to do last week in terms of practice hospitality with one another. But it goes beyond knowing one another and it goes beyond relationships to what we do when people share. What we do has happened to me uh, just the other week. Some of us were standing talking uh, outside after the service and somebody shared something that was really hurting them. It was a great pain running through their life at that point in time. How do I, at that point in time, learn not just to sympathise, to not just to acknowledge uh, what's going on, but to empathise, to stand in their shoes? It requires that I'm not thinking about what I want to say next, that I'm not thinking about the best answer, that I'm not thinking about the experiences that I can share, that I've had, but rather it's listening deeply, intently to them. It's not giving judgments on their situation. It's not trying to solve their problems. It's not trying to fix them. It's simply hearing and feeling and acknowledging how they're feeling. And in such a way, it gives oxygen to people's souls. I know that when people have heard me, just heard me, that I connect with them and I feel connected in a deeper way, a way which maybe we can start to create something really harmonious between us. And of course, that is a challenge for all of us. It is not something that happens often because it requires discipline and care and thoughtfulness and self-control to be really that focused and that present on others. And the challenge that Paul puts to us is that we don't only do that with one person, say someone who is really down, but he says, no, also we have to learn to do it with those that are rejoicing as well. That when someone shares their victories, their successes, the, th the ways in which God has blessed them, that we're also truly able to step into their shoes, to tell them how happy and genuinely uh, rejoicing we are because of the way in which they are feeling. I know when I've had that, I thought, oh, somebody really understands. And again, I connect at a deep level as a result. So Paul is inviting us into a depth of community that doesn't just know each other, but it's a secure, safe enough place where we can share our highs and lows and where those that are listening understand what it means to stand in our shoes, to feel what we feel, to legitimise that and to love them. And ironically, it's at those points where we feel understood that often too we want advice or help, but it's in that order. How would others say of you, would they say you rejoice with them and you mourn with them when they're going through the ups and the downs of life? It's Paul's first exhortation or first call for us in creating this harmonious uh, community. The second is this, 
that we would learn to practice humility. Uh, Paul here is calling on us to avoid pride. He's saying that's the greatest destroyer of community. Makes it really clear. Beginning of verse 16, do not be proud. Then the beginning of the next sentence is almost to make sure that we've got it. He says, do not be conceited, uh, which I think is pride on steroids. And if we're not to be proud, he says, or it means that we need to learn humility. And these are not terms that we use very much today. They're often used in the New Testament, but we're not over familiar with them. We need to just think a little bit about them. Uh, what is what is pride? And I want to suggest that when we are struggling with pride in that negative sense, that other things are going on in our heart. And that it's based around valuing our sense of worth on our own achievements. It has implications. If I think of myself as good or worthy or doing well because of what I've done, then it means that when I go into a room with people who I consider have not achieved as much, have not done as well, then I'm aloof. I don't connect well with them. There's very little chance of harmonies happening here because essentially somewhere in my heart I'm looking down on them. Equally and oppositely, if I go into a room of people who I regard as super achievers, who've, who've done much more than me or done better than me, then instead of feeling haughty or above them, I feel insecure. If you like, I feel unworthy. If I'm benefiting, I'm gauging everything on my sense of achievement, then when I socially interact with you, then I need your affirmation and I need your, uh, your strokes, if you like, to keep my fragile sense of self-worth going. It means I'm super sensitive to criticism or to social slight because everything depends on how I see myself and I guess how others see me as well. And when we're like that, it's hard to bond. You know, I think pride is really the flip side of insecurity. Because when we value our self-worth, measure our self-worth on our sense of achievement, all of us know we're not as good as we'd like to be. We're not as good as we sometimes try and come across. And so Paul says it's just really destructive. You always end up feeling above people or below people, haughty, arrogant or insecure. He says there's a better way and there's the way of humility. Humility is what happens when we find our self-worth in the knowledge of two things. First of all, the admission that I am fundamentally flawed, but that I'm also totally loved. That my achievements have not been as good as I wanted them to be. That the flaws shine through, but that nonetheless and regardless, I'm totally loved by God. Now, when I start to think that way, it totally changes the way that I connect with others. I don't start to feel superior with others because I know that it's only by God's grace, his undeserved mercy, that I am who I am. So I'm happy connecting and relating with anyone because we're not measuring it in terms of advancement. I don't feel intimidated by others because I know that all that they've got has been given by the grace of God too. So whatever room I'm in, and even if I'm in a room with the uh, most successful people that I ever come across, I know that we're all there by the grace of God, because that's how life works. 
I don't need our social interactions to stoke my ego because I'm securing God's love. It means I can focus on serving others. It's not that you need to give me things through your affirmation, but rather that because I know I'm totally loved, despite my fundamental thoughts, that I can come into any room or any setting and I can serve. It means that I can cope with criticism because I'm already aware of my flaws, but I'm aware too that they do not define me. To put it another way, if we're going to create harmonious community, we have got to have settled somewhere in our hearts that it is not my achievements that define who I am, but Christ's achievements. That I do not settle in any success I've had, but I settle in his perfect success. He's been the whole way. He's done the whole of life, including a crucifixion. And he's done it all perfectly. And he ends up, he invites me to identify with his achievements and then to know his love. This is transformative. And this is why we have an opportunity to show harmony, to go beyond tribalism, to go beyond disagreement and incivility, to love, service, care, humility. Do not be proud, do not be conceited because of what God has done for us. And so this is the next, this is the second charge. Step into other's shoes, then practice humility. And then the third is this. Paul says we're to associate with those in a low position. To associate with those in a low position. London, like Rome before it, is in many ways about getting to the top. That is why many people move here. That's why many people want to kickstart uh, their profession or their jobs here so that they can get to the top or learn from the top or be close to those at the top. And for Paul, he wants to suggest that following Christ means we see life totally differently. After all, we're following one who descended. He came from the top and he came and he lived amongst us to identify with us. And Paul's encouraging us to live in exactly the same sort of way. It means that we're looking to draw into our tribe those who maybe our tribe would not normally identify with. It's about looking for those on a Sunday, uh, not just those who can help us or affirm us or who we enjoy being with, but those who would not norm who we would not normally connect with and look to reach out to them, whether it's uh, as we can on Sundays or whether it is as Tim was encouraging us to do last week around tables. Uh, the commentators say though that this phrase is not just about a social identification or association but it's also about living or taking on the jobs that we might regard as too lonely and this is something we get to see. It's my privilege to get to see every Sunday when I get to church ahead of uh, most people, the congregation coming. And I get to see amazing volunteers working on tech and production, getting our children's work ready, and in many other ways, getting ready to welcome people. We've talked a bit during this series of the importance of us each contributing our gifts. And this is just a reminder that Paul makes as well that as we contribute our gifts, we're not to regard anything as too lowly. We're not to regard anything as below us. But we're to imitate him who came and made himself nothing. 
These are powerful lessons that we would learn to step into the shoes of others, the extremes of experience, rejoicing and mourning, that we would learn to live humble lives, uh, not based on our own uh, success, but based rather on the achievement of Christ, knowing therefore we're fundamentally flawed, but totally loved. And then that we would also identify as a result with those with low position. I want to finish with this. I think there's three reasons why we need to live in this sort of community. And the first is actually for ourselves. We all need to be loved. We're made and we're wired that way. And of course, we learn to be loved as we love others. So we're invited into this sort of community as a result. The second reason, as we've touched on, is because society needs to see a community that overcomes all the challenges and difficulties that it's currently facing. And thirdly, to be together in this sort of communal way is to create a platform from which God pours out his Holy Spirit. You know, every Sunday at the moment in the central service, those of us that gather beforehand, we pray and we're praying each week for the same thing. We're praying for more of God's presence. We think that that is particularly important at this point in time and will be particularly healing and restorative to people's hearts and souls and renewing for, for all of us. And the psalmist makes it very clear. He says it's when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity that what happens? God commands his blessing. At Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is outpoured and the church is born, the disciples are together in one place. And so as we embrace these lessons, as we learn what it means, bit by bit, day by day, some days doing it well, other days not so well, but nonetheless intent on creating a community that has a wonderful harmony about it. So we're also creating a platform from which God can pour his spirit on us, bringing so much more life and joy and grace and all the things that at this moment in time this city particularly needs and we need to. And so I want to commend these verses to you this morning and I want to encourage you. Would you learn to live in harmony with those around you? Would you rejoice with those that rejoice, weep with those that weep, live with humility, not being afraid to identify with those in a low position and trusting that as love and joy and care and understanding is born amongst us, that God will pour out his spirit for his glory. God bless you. Have a great day. Have a great week. Look forward to being together in person really soon. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to christchurchlondon.org.